0: This time on No, not the Mind Probe. It's a, uh, uh, it's a, uh, uh, wait for it, it's a uh, our first cliffhanger of the fr- of the new series. It's episode number three of No, not the Mind Probe. Human self destruction, John. I sometimes wonder why I like the people of this miserable podcast so much. That's you, John. Why do I like you, John? You make a you make a mean cocktail. You got that going for you. What else? Endearing. List your list your positive <laughs> qualities. <laughs>
1: I have not tried to start a war amongst humanity to commit genocide. That's a, Okay, so
0: that's one in the good one. column.
1: Welcome to know not the Mind Probe, a podcast where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. My name is John Grant and I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I've been watching it for
0: 35 years. And my name is Porter Mason and John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 25 years and I finally said yes. Just four episodes ago. Each episode of this podcast we'll look at two stories. We're going through the new series of Doctor Who in order and our Doctor Who curator John will find a pairing of that new story with a classic story. John, what are we watching this week and talking about this week well first of all we welcome our our frequent downloaders
1: uh this week we need a, a name for fans i think probers should, should people they're probes yeah I think prob- probers and then it can be kind of a secret handshake between people like hey do you probe Yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> how people refer to it. Uh all right, so so welcome, probers. Uh this week uh we have, as as, as mentioned in the introduction, our first two-part uh, of the new series, Aliens of London uh and World War Three. Then we flash back in time to the early nineteen eighties, to the Cold War paranoia
0: thriller that is the <laughs> Doctor's warriors of the deep all right so let's recap these shows first we start with the aliens of london world war three pairing uh, and we're gonna i guess just call it slash both of them i know with the older episodes they've compiled them into one story name but I, they just both have episode titles aliens yeah. of london and world yes. war three that's season one episode four and five of the new series these premiered on april 16th and the 23rd april 2005 and let's listen to a clip From I think this is from, actually, the first one, Aliens of London. Alien experts, the only people with the knowledge how to fight them, gathered together in one room. Excuse me, do you mind not farting while I'm saving the world? Would you rather silent but deadly? That was a brilliant bit of constant flatulence humor that we're going to get quite a bit of in this episode. Uh, So first, let me take you through what I noticed, John, as a person... Never seeing this before, and then can tell me everything I got wrong, which mm. you delight in doing. I do enjoy that. It's my favorite part. We open on Earth 2005. The Doctor returns Rose home to Earth to pick up a few things, but instead of arriving 12 minutes after she first left with him, they arrive 12 months later, and Rose's mother is pissed because she thought Rose had been kidnapped, uh, understandably so. Mickey, her boyfriend, is pissed because he's been suspected of murder three times since they've been gone. <laughs> Uh, Suddenly, an alien space, so she's kind of dealing with that. And then uh, an alien spaceship crashes into London, destroying Big Ben uh, and landing in the Thames. Big, big uh, graphic sequence there. Clearly, spent a bunch of money on that one. Uh, The world hunkers in for post disaster news watching, which I thought was very realistic the way they did that. The doctor does some investigating, he finds out the spaceship was a fake. It didn't come from outer space. It did, aliens are involved, but it didn't just crash in. And uh, they, the scientists of Earth, find out it was piloted by a, a pig person, which the doctor determines later is a weird genetically engineered pig, not an alien, a pig pig from Earth. Rose and Mickey uh, begin to investigate further along with the doctor, but then the police arrive and they whisk uh rose and the doctor to downing street as the doctor is known as an alien expert with a, a un agency of some kind based on his i guess past interactions on earth when they arrive there's a lot of confusion to downing street the prime minister is missing there's also a lot of farting fat people and the farting fat people who are all suddenly running things appear to be sort of minor bureaucrats and mps in the government and everyone's very confused by that the news broadcaster is often cutting in and wondering why these are the people that are that are running things another minor mp harriet jones spies on them to discover they're aliens in farting fat people costumes say, say the are... whole thing harriet jones mp for slidell north come on for slidell north that's right harriet jones mp for slidell north the aliens are the slitheen she uh harriet tried to tell rose to get help but it's too late harriet's sort of not allowed into things because she is a, a she's the mp from slidell and the farting fat aliens gather together all the alien experts, including the doctor, in one room. They reveal themselves as the aliens and they electrocute everyone. They They shoot some ray out at people. And this is the cliffhanger. That's the end of that episode. We believe the doctor to be dead, though we frankly assume he probably isn't since it's episode four after 15 years of not being on TV. But Hey, you never know.
1: They just really wanted to finally cancel the show. And
0: now he's dead. So everybody just stop writing letters. He's dead. We tune in next week and find that the Ray wasn't lethal to the doctor was lethal to all the other humans in the room, by the way, they're all dead. He breaks free. He escapes. All the other experts are dead. Uh, Mickey, meanwhile is actually defending rose's mom from an alien this is a big coming out episode for mickey he's he's shows himself to be quite a hero the doctor rose and harriet jones they run around they try to warn the actual humans left there in 10 downing street but no one's really listening to them and ultimately they barricade themselves in kind of a situation room and the Slovene sort of in they have a couple of you know bond villain monologues where they reveal their their real purpose and the first they say they're not the slovene is not an alien race but rather it's a surname of a family of of an alien they are aliens but they're not representing their entire race just this family they want to take over earth you'll tell me more about this but it seems like just to make money and so they need to sort of clear the planet first so they're gonna make the humans annihilate it- themselves so disguised as british politicians they're telling the world that aliens are attacking and that we have to launch nukes to stop them that they need to get the nuclear codes from the un to stop them it sort of strikes me of course that if this was america we would just launch our nukes right away so this this key part that need un approval is hmm. so particularly british the the gang figures out that the Slovene can be harmed by vinegar just in time to help mickey save rose's mom's life the doctor and rose employ mickey to help access the un computer system which he is quite adept at they get information and They launch missiles actually at 10 Downing Street where they where Rose and the doctor and Harriet are in an attempt to stop the aliens before they can release the nukes to the rest of the world. Harriet, the doctor and Rose hide in a very secure part of the even more secure room. They survive the blast and Harriet comes out and becomes prime minister. What we find out is that the doctor the whole episode was saying he knew her. He knew her from somewhere. And it's because in a future world, she becomes a very influential prime minister of the U.K., rose decides to keep traveling with the doctor and the doctor offers mickey to join them which i want to talk about later and he says no and he says very frankly he doesn't think he could handle it now he seems to be quite up to everything that he's doing in this episode but i just think he means the traveling and being away and anyway he thinks he can't handle it and so he just stays behind with rose's mom and there's a very sort of touching moment where We kind of see what we didn't get to see in the first episode, which is the TARDIS go, you know, transfers out of here and we see Mickey and Rose's mom left behind kind of having to deal with she is gone. Now they now they know where she's going and and they have no idea when she's going to be back because he said again, she'll be back in 10 seconds and they sort of wait for 10 seconds and nothing's happening. So they just sort of walk away like a sad peanuts character dragging their yeah, <laughs> dragging yeah. their head down. <laughs> so that was a two that was a lot this was a two part episode um a really fun one John what what did I miss here I think you got it. I
1: think you got a pretty a uh, pretty good there. Um, uh, I know you didn't attempt to uh, say the name of the Slithine planet, which as no.
0: any <laughs> good Doctor Who fan will know. It's Rexacorco Fallapatorius. Uh, Rexacorco yes. And I, uh, we, you know, here's a little here's a little spoiler. Yeah. We recorded an episode of this podcast before we recorded mm-hmm. an episode of this podcast, and the Slithyin were part of it. So this race or planet, I guess one in the same. I don't know. Rexacorco pilipatorius was in there, and so I I did have to say it many times then but so it was funny when it came back up it was like hearing a, a super i didn't know it I, I knew it weirdly in the back of my head it was already there mm-hmm. but yes but i yeah, super yeah, so we did spoil this ladine um
1: guess uh, i think as a in uh, good you did catch cuz a lot of people did not you caught that they are family uh and so Sladine is the family name and not the um uh, not the or not the race name i guess they would be the recticorcal um right. but they um <clears throat> every time we ever meet them again, they're always known as the Slitheen or referred to as the, I'm not sure if people forgot that or if it's just one big family that keeps trying to do stuff. It's very interesting.
0: Maybe the rest of the maybe the rest of them are just back on the planet like Hanging they're not on. really yeah, doing much. Not I really, yeah, they're not that busy.
1: Um, uh, <laughs> uh, you did, uh, it's good. Um, uh, uh, cliffhanger, this is the return, the grand return of the cliffhanger, which Doctor Who was famous for, for their cliffhangers, which were always right. occasionally quite contrived or, or or uh, and and I think it's, uh, I think it's rather appropriate. They struggle a bit with the cliffhanger here because it's this very dramatic. Look, we're all being electrocuted, and then it's like, nah, I'm I'm not being electrocuted anymore. Now that we've come back, Doctor <laughs> just well, takes the thing off and says, "You can't, from, you can't hurt from me. the few of
0: these I've seen, I'd say fifty percent of them have been fairly anticlimactic. I mean, yeah. th- they might give suspense on the way in, but the res- the resolution of them is fairly into it's basically he's in danger and then beginning of the next episode actually never mind let's yeah, just move exactly. on <laughs> got a, yeah
1: there's a um, uh there's a very famous one in a, in, a, in a classic series of watch where for some for no readily apparent reason the doctor just climbs over a railing to somehow slide down a cliff and then just gets caught on the edge of the cliff like he's going to fall and it's like well yes you just climbed and, and, and then there's the cliffhanger <laughs> so they are they actually is quite contrived um oh uh, guess so anyway so yes this is the return of the, the great cliffhanger um and uh, yeah, this is a interesting one, and it's the first. Um, so in classic Doctor Who, certainly there were many alien invasions. Um, but very few of them were huge, at least in sort of anything present day Earth where we were so public, right? It was you didn't really saw TV commentators, and you know there were a few, but even then, um, I don't think I don't think he mentioned this one, but uh, it, it, at one point. Uh, the Loch Ness Monster actually came up the tens and attacked uh, the Prime Minister. Long story. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's never really mentioned again. It's not like anyone's let, you know, no one ever goes later in this series, hey, remember that time the Loch Ness Monster attacked uh, London? Um, and, uh, um, but what's interesting here is, although they do sort of, you know, they do try to mention, oh, this was a, you know, there's some newspaper cover up or something like that. Um, they do start to these alien invasions start to happen, and people keep remembering them, right? That that oh, I, I didn't it mention continues that they, to play out.
0: <clears throat> Mickey references at the end, like you said, the newspaper the next day where people are basically in real time, which we've seen with other, yeah. you know, sadly in the world right now, right? And this was 2005, and we we definitely seen more of it as things go on, where the press or just like a group of people. Are immediately trying to convince you that what you just saw that happened with your own eyes didn't actually happen, and it's a conspiracy. Yeah. And so that even the next day after this, Mickey's noticing and, and sort of remarking on that, saying, "How can they do this? We we all just saw this." And the headline, because the headline says, "I, I forget exactly, but it, it says that this was all a cover up or this was a fake thing." Or yeah, it seems like a lot to cover up somehow that Downing Street was
1: blown up. Um, uh, it, um, also, it is it is in fact as a someone who works in this field in government and things. The UK does not actually have to get permission from the UN to launch the nuclear. Oh, understand. is that just a, that's it just seem to be a, an odd plot contrivance here. I'm not 100 percent sure why. Um I, I I'm not sure if it wasn't if it's not because Russell T. Davis is a hardcore fan as we talked before, if it's not a reference to there was an early a Tom Baker episode, the one before the the Ark in space actually a robot. Um and um uh for some reason the um uh, it, it, the well dating is complicated, but for some reason, uh, basically the UK had all of the world's nuclear codes to themselves, uh, and it was it was <laughs> a way <laughs> it was a way to prevent uh, it, it, and how they described it. If, if global tensions are rising, the, they could just publish all the codes, and then that would somehow make everybody equal and somehow prevent. Um, it, it doesn't even make sense on that episode. <laughs> so, no, this is, although I has the great line at one point where the, the, the military guy, the doctor is working with is like, you know, naturally the only country that could be entrusted with the, with this job was the, with the United Kingdom or Great Britain. And Tom Baker goes, of course, the rest were all foreigners. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so that's a very odd thing. And then of course you have the nuclear missile that is launched from the submarine using a couple the same password buffalo i think or something like that just to get right, through which and, is the and
0: straightforward word
1: yeah mickey from his his desktop computer um whole, you could have whole
0: um you could have a whole podcast or write a whole book about the way in which navigating computers is done on, on screen mm-hmm. it, it's always very awkward it is very hard to do and getting across things like passwords so the reality would be what he'd have you know seven factor uh, uh confirmation he'd have to have a very complicated password there would be And it just doesn't translate well to film in any way. So you just do that stuff. You get by. I mean, the fact that even when he was in a web browser, it looked vaguely like an actual web browser. That's like a huge win. Usually, it's (laughs) they're pressing large buttons on screen. (laughs) One of my favorite things is characters sending email on screen. And maybe the the 90s. It might be a little better now, but they're always pressing these like enormous buttons Mm -hmm. that make no sense and look like no other other real program. The web always looks strange. So I bought. I mean, so that didn't like him having a password to essentially the un codes to launch missiles Eh, it seemed fine i like that mickey navigated it so quickly it reminded me of the young woman in jurassic park when she breaks into jurassic park and she's like this is Unix. i know this and he just immediately got into the un system it was just just flying around there and there was no i want to talk more about mickey actually we can there was no indication from the first episode that he was into computers much or anything like that so I don't think, I mean I could be wrong, but I, I this is sort of a real coming out episode for him and well we could actually uh, I don't know this could be kind of a spoiler but I'd like to spend a whole kind of a theme section talking about him later if he becomes more of a of a character does he become more of a character yes. in the yeah, he, Okay so around let's around wait on that and then just <clears> we'll talk about him just this moment in this episode um he they delve, well, I guess a couple things. Uh, first, this is an episode where they delve a lot farther into not just the life, you get to know more about Rose's life, I think. Yeah. But also, you get to see more of what was left in the wake of her leaving. Is that pretty unique to... Has that had that happened before?
1: No. Um, I think I talked about this earlier in the past, but um, so pay attention. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> uh, you should be re-listening to these podcasts every week until you've really ingrained right. what I'm saying. Uh, no, um, uh, it, it was it's very unusual. I think I had said in the past that, um, yeah, they, they would kind of just wander. Either they were often orphans or... Had some reason that they Drifters. were, noted. yeah, um, um, <laughs> hobos. I'll say one companion. They just they just destroyed her entire planet. As a very convenient way to just oh, no. eliminate the backstory. Um, but uh, um, yeah, there's there's uh, very rarely do they come back, as we saw a little bit with Ace in the last week's Curse of Fenric. Um, that was really the first time that even we'd spent that much exploring the past. Right. Um, and uh, so, yeah, very, <clears throat> they'd never really come back. And, uh, and, you know, after your introductory story, which is kind of all about the companion or, or the companion has a significant role, they didn't kind of slide into a more, they have character, but a, a generally generic, you know, sort of their, their backstory doesn't play that much of a role anymore. Um, <clears throat> and so, well, it's really interesting. That Turlo does come back, but we'll get to him later. Um, So, yeah, and and certainly not going back and seeing family and stuff like that. So that that was very unusual. And again, I think it was kind of a cool aspect of the new series of same kind of thing. Like, here's her reaction to going to the future Earth. And she was kind of freaking out. And then, oh, yeah, here's what would happen if you disappeared and, and then came back. I mean, although hey, it's interesting because, of course, he, I think obviously Russell Davies wanted to explore this, but he does have to get around the fact that, well, if it's a time machine, technically they could just bring it right back. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so like, he just they made a
0: mistake. M- yeah, A mistake, right. Yeah. yeah, no, I thought it was great. And I thought the two things that really, what I like about the new series is and part of this is just a change in how filmed drama goes now that they do do so many more they explore the reality of situations maybe more than they really did in the past the two sort of very realistic realistic moments coming out of crazy events that have never occurred before were that just their their the whole series of scenes of them reacting to what it was like for her to have left not just the plot movements of they actually put out missing posters of her. They did this whole, you know, they they did that. But just the acting was very good from both of them of getting across how distraught and happy to see her, but also so pissed. They were so mad at her. And I thought that was great. The other realistic acting, <laughs> I'm sorry, realistic moment I thought they created was, I mentioned in the recap, everybody sitting around watching the yeah. news on TV after this disaster. That felt so real. And I thought it was a particularly interesting one because this alien ship What they think, the humans think, is this alien ship has crashed, but they seem to be in no immediate danger. The ship's just sitting there. And so it really does just become this big social event where they're just all, it it obviously has changed all their lives. Things are different now. But there's no immediate danger, so they're just all kind of hanging around, <laughs> talking about it, watching the news, and it really rang true. Gossiping and other stuff, yeah. Um,
1: it's interesting, uh, uh, in Doctor Who, it's a bit of a lighter show, Torchwood, which is a little bit more adult, there actually is a whole plot line in some of the Torchwood episodes where they mention um, after all these big invasions, there's a couple different big invasions, and Torchwood has some too. And it's you know basically, they, they start to develop the idea that Earth now knows it's not alone. Earth knows they're aliens. Um, and, um, it's kind of really interesting that they sort of explore people, like they were talking about, Oh, it was sort of off reference to the suicides. People were, you know, people killed themselves and people, or people were very upset because they, they suddenly thought, you know, saw themselves as so small in the universe or that, you know religion i guess fell apart because uh, and he, they don't really go into it but it'd be a really interesting thing to explore right like what would actually happen if we all saw aliens um but yes uh, i think um yeah we would all just go in and be watching tv and be like oh i wonder know what happened and then of course there'd be nothing right we wouldn't actually so we would all just start chatting because it's not like they'd be showing you everything that's going on they wouldn't tell you anything well, there, there are, are things- un protocols
0: about if we have first contact there is a process Well, but I like that there are these social protocols of the people on the ground, too, because what is implied by the scenes implies certain things. So they're all sitting around watching, watching the news on TV and chatting. Their side conversations, but also everyone kind of has drinks and food, which implies that some people in the middle of the alien invasion are like, "I'm going in the kitchen and cutting up some salamis and putting them on some Ritz crackers, just so everyone has some finger food." And it's true that would happen. I, I love. I would make like a cocktail. Yeah, you'd have to come up with some sort of alien theme. Co- something green, I imagine, or something. Yeah. H- had there been a previous story of first contact. Or And and does this sort of hold as – does this become – does this hold? Does this become part of the history of Doctor Who for some period so of time? So it does
1: now, yes. I mean there had been uh, – in earlier Doctor Who, there had been all sorts of – I mean, um, again, large-scale things. Like there was one called the Web of Fear where um, – uh, Sounds really strange. all Dr. Who episodes sound great when you just summarize them in like one. line. It's like <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robot Yeti from the Himalayas occupy the London Underground. So, anyway, sure, uh, yes. and so the entire city is is evacuated and there's this web around it. And um, uh, and then there is an episode we'll watch uh, not too long for now, actually, uh, that uh, is the original Autons episode. And they did all these shop window dummies came bursting out of the glass. And um, there is all of these sort of uh, uh, again, lockdown sponsors, but it always resets at the end, kind of. No is ever like, oh, remember that time? And you know, everyone saw the doctor have some line that's like, oh, you know, human beings have such a capacity for self deception or something like that. But, but yeah, this is the moment where it really, they really they maybe not quite here, but I think at a certain point, Russell, because he, he engineers several large scale, hard to miss invasions. Um and you know at a certain point they they sort of stop trying to reset it and they're just like yeah okay you know, humans have found we've seen aliens
0: how do they in, uh, we don't need to go into it too much but are you saying they reset in like a Men in Black way where they literally go and erase people's minds or he just makes the comment like you said that oh they'll they'll forget about
1: this right yeah they just oh they'll forget about it they just won't people won't for whatever reason people assume it's fake they want to heard about it or something or, or or they'll just ignore it like we just like oh yeah uh, and and yeah you do get that. It is sort of that moment of like, you know, in the, in the old series or something, there'll be someone will say, you're an alien, aliens exist. And, you know, no one ever goes, yeah, remember that time <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that robots took over like 10 dinosaurs or whatever? Like, it's like, oh, no, you know, no one ever says. It's just, it always kind of resets to the knowledge that we have right now. Right. right? Like sort of where we are.
0: So going back to Mickey, uh, I wanted to know, has anyone ever turned down the doctor like that, that they've sort of been offered? It reminded me of Lord of the Rings, sort of. There's a whole thing in Lord of the Rings where if you're offered the ring, it's a big test of your character, whether you turn it down. I don't know. It just it, 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 I was surprised how self-aware he was to say no to it and to recognize I can't do it. I don't know. I, I found the moment really interesting, but has that ever happened before?
1: Yeah, it does occur. Um, not, I, I think uh, this makes a big point. You know, every once in a while, yeah, who meets somebody, they're great. And um, well, usually, usually when the doctor likes you, your your days are numbered, right? As soon as he's like, oh, you'd be amazing if you're like, well, that person's not going to become <laughs> part of the main cast, so they're dead. Um, so That's tend to be the case of death. If you do make it to the end, he will occasionally say, oh, you know, why don't you, would you like to come along or there's always room or something? And, you know, the, if they're if they're not, extending their contract then they won't uh it's it's uh so yeah it does happen occasionally but i think this one was yeah definitely it was a bigger part of the story and and, and because mickey recurs it, it is um it is part of an interesting character arc uh and I, I really like it because I think it is, you know, what's one of the questions that you, as you watch the show, me, as you watch the show and all these terrible um, things are happening and people are constantly terrified and always being threatened to be killed and stuff like that. Um, you know, you would be like, well, yeah, I guess it'd be cool to travel in time, but the constant threat of death would be, That'd be the, tough. you know in the negative uh, category. And yeah, you put that on the con side. Um, and that would be, I think that would be a lot, right?
0: Um yeah no it was believable yeah and i I, I get annoyed traveling for work like (laughs)
1: like, (laughs) sometimes there's a delay or i get a middle seat and yeah it's like okay i was almost we were almost killed by a nuclear war aliens started and similar
0: similar if 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 our close friend neighbors have a barbecue planned and then it rains and turns of the barbecues canceled i'm so i'm happy when the barbecue next door to me is canceled <laughs> and it's like oh great we have a day free it's nice <laughs> so no traveling interstellar is important yeah. sounds good but so I'm not going to ask. I have to say, when I was doing research to prepare for the episode, I was my the note I had written down is, "Oh, does Harriet come back? Because I really liked her, and I saw enough to know that, oh yes, Harriet will return. So we'll talk more in depth about her. But just wanted to mention this is the actress's name is Penelope Wilton, and I knew her from Shaun of the Dead. I loved her in <laughs> Shaun of the Dead which is what 20
1: right. years out of date 15 years out of date?
0: i mean she was in downton abbey she's she's a pretty major actress now <laughs> i know i'm just saying that's where i first saw her yes no she was she was big in downton abbey as well but i'm just okay. saying like that's where i first saw her with oh, shauna okay. well, you're doing a mom thing where you're like you know it's just that woman that's in that show that, that that nice lady from <laughs> yeah. shauna the... no she's well, great and she she does recur
1: uh and she's a great um uh, and i i think it's it's one of my uh i think my favorite moment in the whole episode is um when they're at the door and he's got the screwdriver held up to the to the brandy or whatever is threatening he's threatening the thing and this ladine is you know, sitting all oh, agitated to explode and they say i'm sorry what did you say you were going to do and they realize he's faking it right. um and then he passes it he he goes to hand it back to her and she goes you pass it to the left and then he hands it yes. to rose <laughs> very <laughs> no very she brutish, was so- very funny very good
0: yes and uh yes and she's in like you said Downton Abbey many other things she's just a wonderful actress and she again brings reality to things and in, i'm sure is it well and is in fact a very good dramatic actress we've seen in other places but she does so well with the humor too yeah it's really she's, really great um,
1: she's in the um she's in that ricky gervais show afterlife which i don't know if you've seen but she's very good it's very it's funny and oh, dramatic yeah. it's very good she's very good it life. is very good
0: yeah. oh the last thing i wanted to talk about with this episode uh is they we talked about special effects in a previous episode but this is a both these episodes have they have a couple big effects moments and then they have some ongoing effects that they use for the aliens in a way that was a bit more. They went for more with with the Sladeen than earlier, and they combine. So the couple of big moments are the actual alien invasion, and obviously the destruction of Downing Street and the the crash landing of the ship. Those, I think, especially because they're very contained, look really good to me. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly not super nitpicky of stuff, but when you see bad effects, like you have seen enough good effects by this point in our lives that you notice them. Those felt really good. The, the ones that were tougher were the ones that they tried to use ongoing with the Slavine, where they went between practical effects of like a big rubber suit for the sledine and then mixed over to when they would pull to a wider shot and show the Slithine like moving running, around yeah. when they were, yeah, when they were hunting them. <coughs> mm-hmm. And one of the problematic things was they which is just always hard with character animation in in 3D, is the 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 movements in the practical didn't match up well with the movement in the CGI. So they moved in a very cat-like and nimble way in CGI, and then they were just sort of trotting around and bouncing around with the in when they were in the practical suit so that didn't work well but you could tell that they were just kind of trying to go for it i, I don't know if they pull back from that at all or they keep trying for that i, I think when they're close up they should just stick with the practical effects it's goofy but it, it works fine it and certainly those moments when they were moving around with the cgi when the slitheen were becoming these sort of raptor like creatures. it really felt like they had taken moments from jurassic park and tried to recreate them as these super fat baby-headed aliens but it took me out a little bit but I don't think it really detracted that much from the overall episode. And this was 2005, so I guess... Yeah, I mean, it's, that's the thing. It's really hard to...
1: Things have moved so fast and, and you know, everything kind of blurs together. But uh, yeah, it's... You know, I'd be interested to see what movies were coming out in 2005. But um, uh, yeah, it still is impressive CGI and certainly for Doctor Who. Um, and uh, yeah... Um, uh, the the big sort of money shot was definitely the ship crashing into Big Ben. That was in all the previews for the show. And again, sort of signaling, hey, this is going to be bigger and and more effects heavy than you you're used to. This is not your this is just your father's Doctor Who. Um, and uh, they definitely uh, you know sort of went for that. That was, that was definitely the big attention grabbing shot for the episode. I think mean, they showed it. So well, to preview. give you
0: uh, to give you some comparison about like where this stands with effects in 2005, this came out, but also Hitch. Came out mm, with okay. Will Smith, you can yeah. kind of see where that is. It's a CGI fest. Uh, no, um, uh, War of the Worlds came out actually. Spielberg's War of the Worlds. So you can say we were pretty, we were pretty far along with mm. CGI. And actually, funnily enough, uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide movie came out in 2005. Ooh, which wow. that's really funny that, that that came out that same year.
1: Um, speaking of, um, what did you? Uh, so, so this was, um, this was a controversial episode when it came out, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about this towards the end. But um, certainly the humor in it. Um, was and i have to say even for me i think i said before i love all dr who in all its forms and, and i'm pretty forgiving to it but if you recall i said on the end of the world i was like oh this is an episode where i said it could work these are the episodes where i said uh-oh <laughs> maybe maybe it's not going to work oh which um, part the 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 farting jokes and oh, the performances oh. was in, it was a little yes. too it was i mean you know, Dr. said silly monsters and, and they have humor human. These were before. new. This I should is, say. Yeah, these are new monsters. New? Absolutely. And very new monsters. And, um, uh, and they do explain the farting as a science, you know, the gas exchanger because of the size or whatnot, but it, it's thrown away quite quickly. And if you're not paying attention, um, you might miss that. Not, I'm sure that it forgives it. and, and you know, there's what's there. They're laughing in the, in the, uh, number 10 and like, I'm shaking my booty or it's just, it's, it was a yeah. little like, oh, okay. uh, and this starts an interesting really discussion about is Doctor Who who's Doctor Who for? Is it for because kids, I'm sure, thought that was great and right. you know the things that fart are always funny. Not like adults, we never think farting is funny. But
0: um kids uh, are basically watching shows waiting for the like interstitial non fart stuff to be over as quick as possible. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> Let's get back to the core of this,
0: which is yeah, aliens yes. farting. Um so then so they,
1: then they shake their martinis, ah <laughs> oh, yes, another fart Wonderful, wonderful. Kids should drink more martinis. That's what I've said. That should be one of the themes of our, our podcast <laughs> here. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, I think it sparked a little bit of a conversation, you know, amongst the who glitterati uh, about you know well, it, this show's always been made for kids. It's always been about kids, and you know, part of the the problem sometimes is that you know it's it's continue, You know, it's the whole family will watch it, but the adults then take possession of it, and they're like, "This is our show." And you know, like, oh, this we shouldn't have this kid stuff in the show. And it's like, well, you're just old now. Um, either <laughs> watch the kid show or, <laughs> or go do something else. Um, but yeah, it was, um, uh, it was definitely. Uh, it was definitely an interesting direction for the show to go um and we'll talk a little bit when we get to the themes about sort of embarrassing who but i think you know the sort of a question of the show had really taken off it was a hit right it was starting to be um and so you know there probably would have been a lot of new people just still just tuning into these and you know you could see like people tuning in and be like okay so it's about a lot of farting uh. <laughs> well it's
0: funny so two things one that is very similar to right uh, Jar Jar Binks. We talked about Star Wars in a previous episode, a very kid friendly thing. A lot of kids when they're five years old, four years old, think that stuff's really funny in Star Wars and was just really, you know, hated so much. By, by the adult fans and it just does become this thing of look this maybe this isn't for you and then to be fair what happens then is a lot of adult fans of the these kinds of things say great well then if it's not for me I'm going to stop watching it and you know that can be harmful to the show the other thing is we mentioned that we had watched this previous, episode prior to beginning the main episodes of the 2005 series that was well and i have to say it didn't even occur to me because the slavine were in that episode and so when that when they came on and the farting happened i it didn't it didn't take me out of it at all and it's so funny that you say this in retrospect i wasn't even thinking about that perspective because then thinking of trying to put myself in that headspace yeah like i just talked about all these really great real moments of the show mixed in with the complete crazy alien farting thing oh, i didn't even think about that it didn't strike me because you showed me that other episode first so it's your fault john i get it it's i don't have fault. a I real the
1: <laughs> <laughs> <alien laughs> section i'm sorry
0: I'm by the way it strikes me the way you're introducing me to doctor who is basically this i am a person who started heard that doctor who was oh this new show is coming out and it's good so i'm watching episode by episode and then the older episodes it's almost like i happen to have seen them on randomly a series of episodes over the years so that's how it's kind of coming on well anyway i I, because i was sort of numbed to the ridiculousness of the farting thing it didn't strike me at all um and i didn't i came out probably with a better i i had i not seen that before i think i probably would have come out of this episode more skeptical of it whereas i kind of was already bought in on that so i was like oh i guess that's just whatever and then i actually enjoyed the episode quite a bit
1: well, I do. It does. I mean, one thing it does do, which I think is, is very Doctor Who, is it does mix that sort of. And I don't know how good this is for children or not, but it does mix that. Like, you have these ridiculous farting aliens. And then, you know, you have that moment where there's sort of an a adorable looking pig in a space suit who gets shot in the head, like brutally shot yeah. in the head in the hallway. And it's like he was terrified. And it's like, wow, really big tone <laughs> switch there. Uh, uh, and, you know, how would it. I don't know how. A kid would, would take that, but um, uh, that is classic Doctor Who, right? Go from sort of the patently absurd one minute to sort of this very shockingly violent moment to, you know, something humorous and, and back. It's it, it does switch around a lot like that.
0: All right. Well, let's move on to our classic episode. Classic. Who? Of the Deep Serial One of Season 21 of the original series. This aired in 1984, January 5th. Uh, through january 13th which by the way means that these were shown almost one right after the other uh, these are four episodes and they must have just been shown night after night i'll uh, i'll explain that yeah okay so let's play i uh, you brought a clip john i believe you
1: brought a clip i did i did there's really no setup here oh this is actually it includes one of my favorite dr lines. here we go
0: genocide when everything you silurians hold sacred
1: forbids it we
0: will harm no one these eight primitives will destroy themselves we, doctor, will merely provide the pretext. You'll trigger the war this base was
1: designed to fight. Yes. And these human beings will die
0: as they have lived in a sea of their own blood. Nice. Yeah. A sea that, of their own that is. Blood.
1: Yeah, and that, you know, I feel like. So, a that's a line I've always wanted to work into casual conversation, you know, with (laughs) Doctor Who. But, but you know, you you drop that in a staff meeting, it just really takes off the rails. Um, and then, um, the other thing is, it's kind of like you know, one small step for me. Like, you feel like they got together and wrote, like, we're gonna need a really good put down here. Uh, you know, what, what, how should, how should we do this? Uh, Sea of their own blood. Oh, I like that. I like that. We're in the water.
0: All right. Well, I'm gonna try to recap this. This was a challenging episode. <laughs> I'll talk about a little bit about why it was challenging to sort of figure out aspects of what were going on. Though I, I did get a lot of it. The doctor, and this is the fifth doctor, and two companions, another brash, sassy woman mm. named Tegan. Australian. Australian, okay. And an uptight, young, skinny dude with a skinny tie named Tarlow. Turlow. Turlow. They arrive somewhat bumpily on. So here my confusion begins. So I, I'm sort of trying to put my confusion as I'm watching it. This became clear as the episode went along. But they arrive somewhat bumpily on Earth, question mark. Maybe underwater. It's unclear because there are never any establishing shots that make anything clear. And then also they are often cutting to a bunch of futuristic humans that are nearby, maybe? uh the year is 2084 they mentioned that so it's 100 years after the episode aired and these humans that they cut to who we know are futuristic because they have kind of plastic suits on that are very cool looking and a lot of eyeliner a lot of eyeliner, a lot of eyeliner (laughs) yes 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 they sort of look like what if a david bowie video had taken over the world and then that which in 1984 was a real risk people were concerned about (laughs) (laughs) they're they're either running a submarine or an underwater base And then I say submarine because they're all operating very – both what they're – their goal and also how they're acting is very similar to Cold War era nuclear subs. As John knows, my favorite movie is Hunt for Red October. Mm -hmm. I I was in on that uh, part of the episode right away. So they're patrolling their human enemies – who are some seemingly unnamed nation that we're meant to think of kind of like the soviets and they're ready to launch their weapons that aren't aren't nuclear but they they release a deadly chemical that decimates all life so it it's a proxy for a nuclear weapon i think they tried to make it that this is worse than a nuclear weapon which that honestly really wasn't but proton, anyway, uh,
1: proton missiles or something
0: okay <clears throat> the ship's missiles are are fired by hooking one of the crew, Maddox, a young red-haired man with a lot of flop sweat. Mm-hmm. I mean, they really zoom in on the flop sweat. He is tense. And for some reason, and he's called an ensign, meaning he's buried low down on the total boat. but for some reason, the only way this entire base can operate is if the ensign is hooked directly into the mainframe via a port on his head, kind of like the Matrix. He's jacked into the ship, I guess, at large, and they seem to imply that the only way the missiles are fired is through yeah. him or... yeah. He becomes symbiotic with the ship, and he controls part of it that no one else can. But on board, a group of the humans are spies working for, quote, the enemy, Mm -hmm. and they aim to use Maddox to destroy the ship, launch the weapons. Again, it was sort of unclear what was happening uh, meanwhile, there are also aliens that we cut to here and there. Again, maybe they're nearby? It's very cl- unclear to me. Um, the filmmaking gives us no cues as to how the aliens and humans are spatially related in any way. Uh, they are fish people called the Salorians who move very slowly. And, uh, very and, slowly. and they speak slowly. I, I put down, they talk very cool. I loved the, <laughs> I found the aliens the most endearing parts of this, this episode. I really like them. Mm. Uh, they are warriors and they're planning the on deep. destroying, what's that? They're warriors oh, of the deep. The deep. Yes. Yeah. They're warriors of the deep and they're planning on destroying the humans. Not totally clear why, uh, but they work with another race of aliens and they talk even cooler, the serpent-like race called the Sea Devils. I really, really like them. Whispering monsters are very popular. Oh, yeah. Very cool. They also move very slowly. Uh, the doctor and his companions board the ship. They get into a fight, and the doctor falls into water and is immediately declared <laughs> yes. drowned by Turlo. which is one of my favorite things. He literally just fell in a puddle. Yes, and he like, gently, yeah, we just got to move on. He falls in the
1: water for less than five seconds. He's
0: drowned. Face it, Tegan. And even even right, because there's two companions. So Tegan's saying, Well, we should go down and get the doctor. And he's like, just let him die. He's done. And we are all done for it was really hilarious to me. That was the cliffhanger. So that was the mm, cliffhanger was of the first exciting. episode. Mm-hmm. And they they do zoom down and they do try to show him it's trying. He literally just fell in and he's already floating on top of the water with his arms dangling as though here, John uh, turns out uh, spoilers. He's okay. In, in Within the first half second of the next episode, the aliens first move to attack the humans because uh, up until this point, they haven't actually interacted. And again, I had no sense of, are they going to, it seemed to just be cutting to a different show occasionally and showing some aliens. Uh, their first move is they release a third being onto the, the human ship base called America. And basically, this is a person dressed up in a big bug suit with a huge sea monster butt on the end of it. Mm-hmm. And it invades the ship and the humans. They're skeptical of the doctor and his companions, but they, they work together because they're, they're going to try to defend themselves against the Merka. The doctor blinds the Mirka with light. Um, there's also a great moment where a piece of the wall falls on Tegan and they they act their little hearts out trying to convince Clearly us that, that that wall is yeah. <laughs> it's not even a mattress. It's like styrofoam. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not heavy at all. They're trying to be like, I can't lift it. Yes. I can't yeah. do it. Um ultimately the doctor builds an ultraviolet ray that fully destroys them the, the murka i'm skipping around a bit but to, just to, to get through the humans that are plotting to destroy the base that continues on while this is happening they end up controlling maddox uh, you can tell me more about the details here there was a, a duplication effort I, I didn't quite understand this but they have him kill one of his crewmates and he begins it just seems sort of like dismantling the ship like shutting down what the ship can do, or base. Uh, base. The Salorians, it's a base. The The Salorians and Sea Devils, board. now they board the ship, and they just slowly walk toward people in a menacing way that is very effective. I mean, people are just dying by the droves, and uh, the effects on their probably lasers is what's implied again people are acting their heart. i'm sure someone on set was telling them we'll put in a lot of great effects to show <laughs> these guns just don't worry about that part of it it's, it's not just gonna be a little red blur over you like really it's just occasionally it. Yeah. It, what it really looks like is that they filmed that nothing is coming from the guns but occasionally someone off stage is just shining a tiny laser pointer <laughs> onto the camera and that's it, might have it.
1: Been more effective
0: yeah that probably would have uh the humans the companions and the doctor race around the ship getting separated several times and turlo again giving up on people (laughs) a few more times within seconds um ultimately we find the alien plot was the same uh as our very similar to the episode, the, the modern episode we watched, which is why John picked it, because mm-hmm. he's so smart. Clever me. Uh, they were going to invade the base and launch the missiles at the enemy, at the human enemies to begin World War III, which would then cause the humans to destroy themselves so the Earth would be free. Again, I wasn't totally clear for them to conquer or mine. I I, for, I just forgot that part the doctor knows one of the aliens Iktar, and he tries to reason with Iktar, but ultimately uh it doesn't happen so they develop a plan they release this hexachromate gas that kills all the aliens the aliens killed all the humans the humans killed all the aliens the only the doctor and the companions remain alive leaving the doctor to paraphrase so many great infomercials and declare there's got to be a better way uh, <laughs> he doesn't quite deliver it that way everyone's standing dead around him He's like, there's gotta be a better way um. Anyway, John, what what did I miss about the wow. Warriors of the Deep? Wow. Okay. Um.
1: Um. Where to start? Okay. So uh, this was a very exciting episode because of the Grand Return, the Silurians and the Sea Devils had been seen before. Uh, oh,
0: okay. Well, they were in, treated
1: very yeah well. I mean, again, they were great back in the early seventies. They were Third Doctor uh, enemies, and we hadn't heard them since. Uh, and the 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 clever thing about them is that they already live on Earth. So basically. They were reptiles. They were the reptiles that lived on oh. Earth before us. Okay. Uh, and then the story goes that um, uh, they they thought – they were a very advanced race, and they thought a planet was coming to hit the Earth and, and destroy it and cause this extinction. So they went into these shelters to hibernate. Um, oh. But the planet turned out to be the moon, and it just kind of swung into orbit rather than hitting us. Uh, and so they never woke up, and so then the third doctor encounters them. They're, there's some caves, and some people are doing some experiment in the caves, and that wakes them up. Uh, they find out Earth has been covered with humans, primitive apes. Uh, they get upset, and they're sort of you know, and there's a whole thing about the doctor kind of saying, "Look, you know, you should you should live together. You're reptiles. You could live in the deserts." There's right. a lot, and and the humans being like, "No, no, no, we we're going to just kill them." Uh, and that's what they do. Um, they sort of betray it. It's, it's, it's actually, it's one of the great early doctor who episodes, uh, Dr. from the Sil- Silurians. Um, fun fact uh, they, of course, are named for the Silurian period, which many people who understand uh, uh, this stuff have pointed out did not have reptiles in it. They should be, have been called the Eocenes, apparently. Um, but That's what was bugging Silurians me. The whole it is time. Yeah, exactly, I just right?
0: Get through that.
1: Also, it's not clear why anyone, why they, they refer to themselves by the names given to them. Like, why would you call yourself the sea devils?
0: <laughs> 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 but they do. That's funny. Uh um, well, that's kind of a cool it sounds uh it sounds oppressive. It sounds kind of badass. Yeah. Um yeah, um but no uh, so so that's sort of the back story. Um, that makes much more sense i mean that makes a lot of sense now they now that you're some of what you said it triggers remembering some lines where they referenced that but did they skip through some of it because they had been on to well, some so extent a, because this, it had this, been just this for one of the critiques
1: about. of later doctor who which is that the, so they they started bringing these fans who were fan advisors the famous one ian levine um who seems like a very nice person but he he'd seen all the doctor who and he remembered stuff because they didn't go back and watch early episodes or anything. Cause they again, they weren't repeating these in the early eighties. Um, and so he would sort of remember stuff and say, oh, we should we should bring these these things back, which most okay. kids watching would have never seen before. So so not so. But then they would start to, you know, assume you knew more of the backstory. Um, and so this is, you know, the beginning of a Doctor Who becoming a little more inaccessible to sort of the casual viewer, because it's like, oh, if you don't remember, who, because it's, it's, you're seeing if you don't remember who they are, they don't make as much sense. It's exactly
0: what they're doing now. And like I said, they just made very little narrative effort to set things up and it didn't need much it just needed some stuff at the beginning even if it was clumsy just say like this is who they are here's who they are and then fine it'll all connect later but uh, there was just nothing they just started showing these scenes <laughs> that were being well, filmed and they,
1: they are exposition heavy scenes anyway awkwardly like at one point it's like you yes. know, about it their troubles,
0: own motivations
1: yeah, it troubles yeah. me that our sea devil brothers didn't wake up as they were expected to in the first place it's like guess why would you need to say that to each other we were, <laughs> i wish one of the other sailorians had turned and was like yeah i know we, but we, that's what we, was, was interesting
0: they would come onto the scenes and uh lay a bunch of pipe which is the, like the exposition they were clearly setting things up but but they, d- But they set things up in their own self-contained part of the narrative. And so you knew that the threads were going to come together, but it literally got through uh, – li- definitely the first episode, nothing ever came together and then maybe by the end of the second you started to get oh these people yes confirmed are in the same place at least maybe <laughs> which i mean you, it sounds silly because maybe think I'm, I'm joking but it's just not clear you don't know you assume that's why the story is being told to me but it's just really and it, it reminded me too of i don't know if they were still doing this by this point you remember you mentioned in a previous uh, episode that a lot of times they'd be kind of doing almost filming this almost like Saturday Night Live live the tape where they'd be running between rooms. It really felt like that this was being done by a live shoot. They had one in the Solarians one on the the human the main humans and then one on the doctor and his companions and they were just cutting the cameras back and forth they just put nothing else in there
1: right by this point, they weren't doing it that way but this was i think the story is this one was very rushed um that, that there was a lot obviously going on there's a ton of costumes and stuff um if you uh there's a c- the scene where uh nielsen kidnaps tegan and then they find the dead Mirka in the hallway. Yes. When you see him fall on it, if you notice when he stands up, he has green paint on it because it was still wet from paint. <laughs> so they were rushing through it. Um, yeah. It's supposed to clearly the idea was this is going to be a taut cold war thriller. <laughs> and it was, you know, we're going to have missile runs
0: and it's going to be sort of the world on the brink And then because they have several scenes of the 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 countdown clock, and as things are counting down, and one of the uh, sorry, just to mention this, one of the great things they do is they're like, oh my god, it's a countdown scene. There's so much time left, but the countdown starts at like 190. (laughs) <laughs> so it's just not very dramatic, uh, but anyway, but you, you could tell they were going for yeah, that. They were
1: going for, and, you know, um, so Maddox was—it's um, th- again a sort of throwaway at the beginning. He was—he was there as a trainee, and the person. So it's—it's it's covered more in the book, but but the the guy he was supposed to be shadowing was mysteriously electrocuted, and it was you know he says he's, he's usually careful to the point of paranoia, like this wouldn't happen. And it's, so Nilsson and the Solow, the doctor, obviously he had, killed him to get Maddox in position to, to do this yeah. and they get saying that. Um, but no, yeah, they clearly like, this is going to be taught. It's really, it's, it's often, you know, people say, oh, it's, it's let down by the production, the effects and things like that. But I, I do think. Oh, I don't think so. I, 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 I mean, actually I, don't. I, Yeah. And I, I think, you know, at some point, someone sort of at the scripting stage said, okay, so the most exciting thing that happens is that there's about 40 minutes of people trying to get through doors. Like, <laughs> there's, <laughs>
0: little,
1: there's people staring dramatically at doors while the door bends or smoke comes up the door. And then at one point, uh, the thing Gets to the door, and they're like ah, and then they just close another door. Um <laughs> like, oh, they have to get through this door. Um, so that 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 is, I think, <laughs> partly falls apart. I think there was something that could have been really good here uh, in terms of the story. Like it could have been a really good story. I love it. I it's still want of it's it's because it's just for me. It's classic
0: Doctor Who. I like the monsters. I um, mean, they look. It, I mean, all right. Well, let's talk about the Merca. The um, <laughs> monsters are great, uh, and I want to say that the monsters are great, and actually. This sort of brought home to me when we watched The Curse of Fenric. The effects stood out to me. I just didn't really like them. It really stood out to me that these effects i didn't mind the effects they're silly but it's just this whole world i mean it was earth but it's futuristic earth and yeah there's parts that are silly i mentioned that it's so funny that they're walking slow or like the lasers but that to me just all went with it i agree with you that if the plot had been if it had been scripted better i think this would have been just really fun and you would have totally gotten over i think the bad effects stand out more so because you don't really know what's happening or, or the plot is just very plotting and slow so then you sort of focus more and get annoyed more, maybe by some of the effects. But, but I agree. And the, I thought the monsters looked great. Yeah, let's talk about the, Mirka. Um, the Mirka, it's a Bit of a mess. Uh,
1: very uh, one of the effects that's most often picked on here. Um, and apparently, you know, of course, I've seen all the DVD extras and things, and they were talking about. Um, you know, they said they'd written this thing, uh, and you know, go to the director and say, "Can we? Here's what, Here's the idea. Here's this thing." Apparently, their solution was, "Don't worry, we'll hire." really professional pantomime horse actors who will
0: (laughs) will portray
1: it, which again is another moment where somebody should have been like, I don't think even a really good pantomime horse, it's not like people are like, I can't can't (laughs) tell it's not a horse. (laughs) I'm not sure that was the solution. Uh, And yes. And then then the wonderful, as I think you point out the wonderful moment where uh, uh, Dr. Solow meets it in the hallway. Oh yes karate and it kind of does karate back which is amazing as well she uh
0: she when when the yes the the doctor who is one of the spies the Mm traitors meets the murka in the hall she this is like her whole it, it feels like she's been trained in whatever russian prison where she was trained before she became a spy they're like here's how you take down a huge ass sea creature and she just gets immediately into this stance which also just within two seconds has no effect and she's dead but she's so ready yeah he does do a little he, you're right he does do a little karate, <laughs> karate chop on her too uh, so she is uh that is ingrid pitt uh she's actually a, a fairly
1: well-known sort of a B movie actress from like uh, the hammer horrors, which were sort of the big seventies horror movies that were made in the UK. Uh, She's well known for that. Um, uh, She was in an earlier doctor who in the seventies as well. But um, so, yeah, she's, she's, I wouldn't say she's a great actress, but she's, she's a known actress. Um, uh, I do love, uh, you do point out. um, uh, And again, sloppy kind of scripting Um, at one point, it goes so out of their way, not to say which block they say, they say different blocks. And at one point he goes, Oh, we work for the power block opposed to the sea base. It's like, why wouldn't you just say the Russians? I, I know. <laughs> they invent all these they're alien. Way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so they invent all these alien names at will and just drop literally in this show. One of the things that was, you know, like somewhat confusing is they say the Silorians. And then later they say the Sea Devils and the Merkin. And if you've never watched it before, you almost think you missed something. You thought, oh, wait, I thought they were the Silorians. I guess in, they're talking about three different. Anyway, they have no trouble naming all these different aliens they literally called the the opposing block they just always use these vague non-descriptive terms they just said those that are against us they you know yeah. it's, it's like you would know the name of the <laughs> nation that you were fighting
1: let <laughs> me say your own nation you would oh that's true <laughs> um, yeah no and, and it's interesting it, it, again it's, it's just this this writer's okay but not one of the better ones um and and we'll, we're gonna watch at some point we'll watch the talents of wing chang which is my favorite ever uh by, by the great robert holmes who wrote the Ark of Space. Stuff and Holmes was just very good about he would just casually throw off this world building stuff. Um, and you can show you that doesn't so you know in Towns Link Change was this one scene where he the doctor's talking about like, Oh, I was with the Filipino army in the final advance on Reykjavik in World War six yeah, or something, and they just right. throw that out there, and it's like, and then you can it's all sorts of creative stuff you can do after that. People watching, but yeah, they, they just went so far out of their way to avoid saying. Uh, anything that would identify uh, and I don't know way
0: one of my favorite n- points of the murka before we move on is the murka does kill this group of uh four or five red shirts. He he electrocutes them or whatever his ray is. Anyway, as they fall down I can't explain it maybe well over audio, but they they they're meant to just drop to the floor dead, but instead they just slowly set themselves down on the oh, yeah. floor. And it's <laughs> so the they on each other. <laughs> because they you know they don't want to get hurt. They're obviously being paid like twenty dollars a day. They're like um I'll fall down, but I'm not gonna danger myself. It's very very funny. And, and the thing where it's vague that so the murka is supposed to be electric electrified. Yeah. So its
1: tail touches the wall and they're touching the wall, but it's it's very and um. I I, uh, the other thing that is always <laughs> I find amusing about this one is, at the end, I think Iktar, they're trying to get them with the oxygen, and Kander Vorschach is trying to help the doctor do the turn off the thing, and Iktar shoots Vorschach, but it's so underplayed, and you don't see, you don't realize Vorschach gets shot. If you aren't paying attention, it's not clear he mm. gets shot, and then he just seems to basically. He sort of clutch, grabs his stomach and then, you know, the doctor stays the day and then Vorsha kinda of wanders over the screen and goes, You did it, and then just falls over. <laughs> if you didn't pay <laughs> attention, you wouldn't know he's been and and I think even I, I think they even added a line, like Turlo says he's been shot. Like and you can tell it's been 80 yard over the because <laughs> it was just not clear what was going on. Um so, yeah, this was this was a bit of a a bit of a disaster. Uh, um. <laughs> do the Sea Devils and the Slorians come back again? Uh, in the new series, they do. Yes. Oh, um, cool. Because uh, they, they are. It's a, it's a cool idea, right? This idea that there's a species here before us. They might. Want oh, the backstory back.
0: you just gave me yeah. from the earlier episode sounds a that's really interesting. But also, even without that, I thought they were just. The the voices were cool and the look. I thought their costumes are very cool. Yeah. Um, although it is interesting so
1: the sea devil costume to make them look bigger, uh the and also the shape of the reptile head, the sea devils, the head is clearly in the neck, right? They can see right, how the actor right. can see the gill, which is generally okay, except occasionally like their heads are just tipped over. <laughs> like, <it's> just,
0: <laughs> it looks like they're having a stroke. Uh <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the fifth doctor and these companions. Uh, you know. So I'll give you my take, which is oh, the fifth doctor, the super boring doctor. I just I just didn't I mean it was fine, but boy, from all the ones we've seen so far, my first impression of him was just kind of milk toast. I, I I don't know, not much personality there. He was given a you know, and as we said, this wasn't the best script in the world, maybe this particular set of episodes, but the the jokes were kind of flat and I don't know. That that was my first impression. Yeah, um he so that's this is Peter Davison. Um and he um he
1: comes after obviously the fourth doctor. Spoiler alert, uh the fifth doctor comes <laughs> after him. Um I so saw a couple of things. Uh, a new producer had taken over right before the Fourth Doctor left. Um and uh was really the show had become very uh, it would become wackier because tom baker wanted it to be funnier and he liked to be funny the show would become a bit funnier douglas adams had just been the script editor um and the producer's like no I, I don't like the direction this is going i want to make it a little bit more hard hitting and he's a little bit more dramatic um and then baker left and peter davison comes in and tom baker had been the doctor for seven years for most people he was doctor who i mean right. you, you said that. you know you, you recognize him uh so they had to bring in they brought in something like we got to. Be completely different, right? You can't. You have to just completely establish a new character. So they they brought in Peter Davison, who was the youngest actor uh, to have played the Doctor at the time. So that was that was different. Davison also was very famous for he played. I don't know if you saw All Creatures Great and Small, the you know the James Harriet veterinary books and series. Mm-hmm. He played Tristan Farnan, uh, uh, James Harriet's or his colleague, and um, anyway. Um, so he was very well known for that. Um. And he's um uh he's also he's probably certainly one of the most Ray Patrick Troughton too but he's just definitely one of the bigger actors I mean he he you know Davison went on and he played Albert Campion and he did a bunch of other stuff he's been he's been in a lot of TV shows um and, and kind of had a has had a long and and pretty varied career um since before Doctor Who and, and since Doctor Who. Um, and so, yeah, he, he did, you know, they did kind of want him to play it more seriously. So he plays it much more straight. Um, and he's also very, um, he's kind of ineffectual, which is also the other, like, you know, he's like, yeah. he doesn't, and, and this was a, it was a very, it was a scripted named Eric Sayward, uh, who takes over and he was a bit cynical, I think. And, um, and I, you know, I think he had trouble in a world to sort of like that didn't use guns, right. Or everybody else had like, you know, the doctor, he couldn't say, didn't seem to be able to figure out how to make the doctor effective without shooting things, <laughs> um, which obviously is very against the way the show goes. So the, yeah, they leave him kind of impotent in these, in sort of these actiony, episodes um he does have better episodes and he does actually it's really his final season that i, I think he's he gets very good um but, but he'd already decided to leave um and um and then also in the audio ones that are now he's he's sort of, but he's he's a very good actor davison um but yeah and this again instead sort of that combination of ineffectualness
0: um right <clears throat> no that's what struck me it wasn't so much that yeah i'm very will be a, a great actor but the character just didn't really jump off the page Uh, and I guess that's part of it, as you say, that the Doctor just didn't seem to have much agency to do that much, um, and when he also saddled with Tegan and Terlo, who are... (laughs) um... Yes, but let's talk about them. So, uh, first of all, before we get into them specifically, a plot thing I wanted to ask was, at the beginning, when Terlo was immediately ready to abandon the Doctor as dead, uh, they, though they were upset and moving on, I guess my question was, they seemed unfazed by... Okay, wouldn't they... In addition to saying my friend is dead, wouldn't they be like, oh, my God, we're stranded in space and time in 2084 Earth. That didn't seem to bother them there. Let's get back to the ship. Wouldn't they have not really been able to do anything without the doctor?
1: yeah i mean i um i think I think you just couldn't do that because the doctor dies apparently dies to the companions like every other week um and yeah. um uh you know I give uh, uh elizabeth sladen who've we've, we've seen Sarah Jane she does it very well and sort of constantly being like i mean there's one story where she thinks he's died twice in the same story and has to do the emotional crying thing, and it gets um but they're also so they'ret and Turlow are interesting characters um uh, because they're um so Turlow is an alien. He's actually not human. Um, oh, and okay. Nazi, interesting. Uh, he first comes on board the TARDIS to try to kill the Doctor. That he's an agent of this, this thing called the Black Guardian. It's a long story. So he's the first three stories. He's basically trying to kill the Doctor, and then he's kind of redeemed and stays on. Tegan is um, uh, a lot of people don't like the character of Tegan. I, I I think Janet Fielding does a great job. I think I think it's an interesting character, but and she's almost the most realistic in some ways because Tegan just never wants to be there. Like she is, she's, yeah. she was sort of kidnapped um, by the master in an earlier, in an earlier story um, and the doctor keeps promising to take her. She's an air stewardess uh, and she needs to get back to Heathrow so that she can catch her flight because it's her first day on the job. She's actually never been there and, you know, for the first season she wears an air stewardess uniform for reasons. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, and, and so she, her whole thing is like she's constantly complaining like, Oh come on, you know you can't get me back. We're not here. And and so this was actually the beginning of maybe them not immediately trying to get her back to Earth. But um yeah, so they're they're both very and, and so then again you match them up with this sort of ineffectual doctor, um and it makes her a very odd dynamic. Uh so yeah, well, so, mate- so
0: yeah. My impression of Tegan, it's funny because Tegan was someone endearing to me. I didn't mind her. I could see what you're saying, that she's complaining a lot. and Maybe that would wear on me more with more episodes, but I didn't mind her. I mean, she seemed along the same lines as some of these other brassy dames that yeah. They, they, yeah. they'd have here. And I liked that it was ridiculous to me that she was wearing heels and, you know, her, uh, her things like that. are, are totally useless. <laughs> Turlo was more fascinating with, t- to me because i just couldn't quite get a beat on him uh for one in the first opening scene where he came out it seemed like there was sexual tension between him and the doctor uh th- there was just this odd he he just woke up or whatever it was and there was just like an odd moment there where i thought oh something going on here um, Oh, he never. Yeah, well, okay but i'm just i saw what i saw and no you didn't you didn't see that no hanky panky in the church i told you (laughs) (laughs) anyway but then as it went on yeah he was just so keen to just give up on everyone around him over and over and he was constantly upset by everything happening around him i i just wasn't wasn't a huge fan just wasn't an endearing character
1: yeah and and i the one thing i do like about his character is that um he is the he is a coward deliberately right and and you mm-hmm. know he is like we should run away we should go somewhere safe we shouldn't intervene here and and stuff like that which is more realistic than, than a lot of other you know, it's like I'm not getting off on this alien planet with all this stuff going on like I'm going to be killed <laughs> if I do that. Um so I did I did like that aspect of him, and I think they are playing they they wanted to play with this idea of okay, he's not um uh he's you know, he's different. He's not he, he didn't come on board the TARDIS because he wants to explore the universe or whatever. Um and they do kind of resolve his backstory of going back to his planet or whatever. It's it's a bit vague. It took me years before I actually realized he wasn't human. Um because it is kind of it's very subtly <laughs> introduced, I think it's you know
0: page. how I knew right away, you know he's human? He can't tie his tie very well. Uh, he yeah. can't tie his tie to save his life. His tie is always like up on top of the collar. It's all over the place. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, he's dressed as an
1: English schoolboy because he's supposed to be, we're supposed to think he's like 15 or 16, I think. 35.
0: <laughs> all right, let's move on to the theme section. Here's where we talk about repeating things that we sometimes call themes to make it easier. Call this theme. section the adherence to the repeated theme. Ooh, the re- we are the repeated adherence of the themes. Whatever. but No, whatever it is, you're Doctor <laughs> Who fan The repeated adherence of the meme. It'll be the repeated. I only
1: committed the original series to memory. I'm still working on the other stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: the repeated adherence of the themes. Theme number one. John, tell me about cliffhangers yes well a cliffhanger is when an episode ends uh -hmm, on mm -hmm.
1: on and you don't know what's going to happen next
0: let me get let me get a pad and paper hold on hold on (laughs) It's, it's
1: very exciting um Yes. Yeah, so the original series, of course, was, uh, as I think I said in an earlier episode, for those who are keeping track, if you if you go back to the index, well, index, it's hard to go back I three you've already heard probably, but um, uh, <laughs> talked about, it was called an adventure in time and space. And it, it was going, it was a single sort of story. And, and yeah, each episode ended with a cliffhanger that would get you to come back for more. It's like a classic serial. Um,
0: and, and it would air week to week. It wasn't yep, like they were... I don't
1: know. Yeah. And by the way, that's what, uh, so that's, what's going on with the dates on this. one. So, so it had traditionally aired as 25 minute episodes in the fifth doctor's era. They uh, went, they tried an experiment where they moved it to, I think it was a, a Weekday, or something like that, maybe even two days in a row, oddly. Uh, and they went to 45 minute episodes, uh, and but then when they went back, they actually edited, um, uh, they edited it into four part episodes, I think, to go you know, once they uh, not syndicated, but I think when they set it off or reach it, whatever, they edited it back into four, <laughs> um, so uh, which is why some of the, um, uh, um, some of the episodes in Warriors of the Deep or some of the cliffhangers are a bit weak in themselves, right? That this, um, the one I like is uh, um episode three when, you know, they, they kill Nilsen, the sea devils kill Nilsson and then they look at the doctor and they're like, Your turn and then you get the dramatic cliffhanger. Then they come back and it's like he's like, We know each other. And like, no, okay. This is two points. <laughs> 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 um, which is and this is, you know, so interesting. Um uh there's a great series in, in Doctor Who magazine in, in the in the mid to late nineties, which of course you'll have read, uh where they actually do um they break down Doctor Who stories and they use the book uh, story, which you know of as the as a yeah, Robert writer. McKee. Yeah, to sort of talk about how these uh, you know how to develop the stories and stuff like that. And and but the, one of the things they talk about is that the, the challenge with Doctor Who is you you're trying to create a four part, six part, whatever story that works in that pattern, right? The building and the climax and all that kind of stuff. But then every twenty five minutes, something dramatic has to happen to be resolved, <laughs> right? So, right. So sometimes it's um it's a uh, um uh sometimes it's a really interesting cliffhanger and they build up to interesting things and other times it's just like quick here's some random jeopardy for them to be in uh next week we're going to watch a, one of the all-time great terrible cliffhangers where they they go around a corner and they see a floor that has a weird pattern (laughs) on it. And they go, ah, and then it cuts to cliffhanger. There's no explanation at all. Um, The, uh, and yeah, they they cheat a lot with the cliffhangers. There are ones where they, uh, you know, they'll, they'll show the cliffhanger. And then of course each week, be, the new episode begins with a reprise, right? They go back and show the last right. 30 seconds or whatever. Sometimes, sometimes they change reality yeah, on the new, new ones. One. they in and they'll, they'll you know, oh, right. there'll be new information or whatever. Or, you know, sometimes it's kind of in aliens of London. They'll just be like, Oh, okay, never mind, <laughs> Not a big deal. <laughs> um, the best ones are the ones. Uh, so Chris Fenrick, I think has a great cliffhanger uh, in the, we play the contest again, time Lord, which is, That's an interesting one because it's like, oh here's some dramatic new revelation of information that we didn't have. Uh, and now I wonder what that was all about. Right. And, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that kept you guessing week to week. Um, and, uh, you know, okay. And, and, you know, if you think about back when shows were like, you watch them all together. And one week at a time, it would have been the water cooler show, except in, I guess the playground at school and like, Oh, how is he going to get out of that? Or, or, or what does that mean? Or something like that. Um, yeah.
0: That one reminded me of uh, the, a lost end of uh, a lost episode yeah,
1: exactly something like yeah, something out. that kind of like moves the story forward or is a, is a is a big change of the story but yeah most of the time they just sort of oh here's some random jeopardy that will then be dealt with
0: next week well, we'll it's interesting on. that they weren't all, always satisfying but became such a part of the show that they felt they wanted to bring it back at least a couple times in the new who and and does it become at least once or twice a season they do something yeah
1: just yeah there'll be a couple of multi-part stories um each season and um yeah and they are um uh there's one coming up in this season that has a fantastic cliffhanger and a great uh, a great resolution to the cliffhanger that is funny unexpected and uh, it really works but um uh yeah they um it is and and certainly for there's a lot of dr who that sticks in my mind having seen it the first time and definitely some of the cliffhangers right are, are you know the shock reveals and they do it well sometimes
0: This is funny uh, that I'm thinking in addition to Doctor Who, I know you watched a lot of, you know, sitcoms growing up and this would be foreign to people growing up now where basically every show comedy otherwise is pretty serialized. There's a long through line and, you know, for example, The Office with Pam and Jim, which which isn't even a new show, but uh, Arrested Development, there are these the plots are connected over their season arcs, their whole series arcs. When we grew up, if there was a sitcom that had a two-part episode, that was like a huge deal. Like, stop everything. You know, Emmanuel Lewis is going to say something this show and it's going to connect to something that's going to immediately happen the following episode. And it was rare because most of those shows were just made to go directly into syndication where you just can't control how people are going to see them and I just remember thinking like how crazy it was to have a two-part episode for again for a sitcom for dramas they certainly did more of it but um, I don't know I just remember those two-part episodes were so exciting when like Silver Spoons had a two-part episode <laughs> you have
1: to wait for a whole week to find out about the, yeah. the bicycle guy molesting uh, you know the kids on different strokes uh, yeah it was just
0: basically every two-part episode there was this one bicycle guy who was going around molest children on different uh sitcoms and yeah, that was pretty dark movie. stuff in the 80s sitcoms um
1: uh yeah and um uh again it, it was because also i think you had that sort of shared experience when you watch shows right and you, you watch them one yeah. at a time as opposed to now where it's like now of course there's going to be some jerk who's already seen the next episode because he's too ahead of you binge watching he's gonna be like, i know how it ends and you're just gonna be like, okay well <laughs> so so the good thing is doctor who when it is broadcast uh, because it's still broadcast on the BBC. So new seasons are one at a time. And so you do kind of get that. Um, But yeah, it is, it's, it's why we're doing this podcast like we are, right? It is possible to, it is not possible to watch the new series. Well, you can watch it out of order, right? You can dip in and out, but there are sort of buildups and arcs and, uh, you know, there are going to be episodes in season, you know, two, three, four, whatever, that call back to this stuff, which are very cool when you see it in order, because it's like a character you haven't seen in two years or it's a, you know, it's it's bringing together plots that have been kind of laid on the groundwork has been laid for years. Um, and that's very cool. But, yeah, that's why, you know, again, we can go back to classic episodes and pretty much watch any time. Ta- They're you know. self-contained. Yeah. I mean, yes. You know, this one it does help to have known for the history of the Settlers and the Sea Devils. Yeah, Most but- people, including me, watching it as a kid wouldn't have seen those third Doctor episodes probably.
0: I like it. And I'll actually say even for the new show, other than this two-parter, which, you know, makes sense to watch one right after the other. I really like so much of TV watching has become, oh, am I going to watch this show? Well, do I have an uninterrupted seven and a half hours to get through a whole season? No, well then I'm not going to watch it. And this is nice to be able to sit down. And even with the new show, yes, there are there's a line that connects episode to episode, but generally you could sit down and watch one of these episodes and I don't need to immediately watch the next one. It's fine if I watch it in a week and certainly the old ones, as you say, it would be hard to watch the individual episode without watching everything in that story. I think that's nice to be able to do, but there's no need for me to watch these in order. It reminds me, and it is in a way an anthology series. And I know in general, you're a fan of, you know, twilight zone and uh, these anthology series. And, uh, I love those. That uh, they're great to be able to watch. You can understand why places tend toward the more uh, narrative and through line shows because they get people uh, addicted more and needing to watch each additional episode. But uh, these, it, it's really nice that you can just watch them out of order. Any particular? Any
1: yeah, particular I mean, of course. Order.
0: All you know, most of hardcore Doctor Who fans
1: um, have at least at once attempted to watch the whole series in order from it's like our Mormon mission kind of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it took two years. it took me two years, uh, to watch and how many would you I, I actually, cause I was doing law school, uh, night school. Um, I just wanted to drop in that I'm a lawyer and available. Uh, so I'm <laughs> uh which I'm sure this podcast is really people are like, I want that guy's my lawyer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I think I did. I, I had a break uh, of an hour a day, and I would watch two episodes or listen. In the early ones, you had to listen, to it. and and I could only do it. Of course, this you know I could only do this once I had completed the collection. It's it takes a lot of work, right? You got to invest your time to build up your collection and make sure you, all the DVDs were out or at the time as VHS tapes and CDs and stuff. So I could only do it once. I, once the moment was right.
0: Then, Were yes, you prouder of your law degree or your completion of the Doctor Who?
1: They both kind of watching. coincided actually so mm. it was a very exciting year. Um and, and so there is it is interesting, right? There's interesting um you can see interesting developments and stuff or see how things, you know, characters become more meaningful when you watch them in order and you know sort of seen it, but but yes there is there are a lot fewer arcs or connections between the seasons. They did try to do one umbrella season uh, back in classic Who Tom Baker the key to time but it was like a quest thing, and they would sort of remember, oh, yeah, we have to find a thing at the end. It's like it was very loosely connected, uh, storyline. But, um, yeah, um, uh, it, it was definitely built for just dropping and out.
0: Let's talk about theme number two. You wanted to talk about just monsters being on Earth, aliens that are actually already on Earth.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, so as we talked about the Silurians and the Sea Devils that uh, were already here, technically, uh, and then, of course, right get the, yeah. You know, they're us. sleeping beneath us. Um, lots of them apparently. So we keep finding mm. them and it's you in the mm. news Uh and then yeah, you get the ladine sort of invading uh invading Earth. Um uh and you know, this is the uh they did so in the third Doctor series uh, seasons, uh they decided to reformat the show a little. And the for initial seasons with him, he was uh, exiled to earth by the time lords for, for crimes, uh and he couldn't leave Earth. So they were like, it's just an entirely oh, earthbound wow. series. Uh and they he he goes in with this group called Unit, which he mentions actually in Aliens of uh London. Yes. Um uh Unit is a is a sort of United Nations military arm that the doctor works with as their scientific advisor. Um and so they were like okay boys well, there are only there are basically three main stories we can do three or four main stories. Like we can do Alien Invasion we can do, you know, crazy mad scientists, human doing something wrong. They said, We can do monsters already here, which is, and we can do parallel worlds. And they did all that in the first oh. season. And they're like, okay, well, I guess that's pretty much it. <laughs> and then it just became alien invasions all the time. But yeah, I think so. I think the Southern Sea Devils are kind of like, okay, let's see if we can do something creative here. Um, and uh, you know, it's interesting. I am. Uh, I was actually thinking about this um, today the first season of doctor who uh, of the new series is all set on earth so far everything's been set on, on earth, right? We have, uh, like, Oh yeah. 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 Right. Um, and the far future, but yeah. 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 And, and it, it continues to be, I believe, um, which is part of a sort of philosophy, at least for this first season is sort of a philosophy of, I think, yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember when they actually do go to an alien planet. It's a while. Um, and it was, I think it was an interview with Russell T Davies where he said, you know, well, look, you know, people. We want to get people interested in the story, emotionally involved, and and nobody cares. You know, if Planet Zog is you know yeah, <laughs> mining yeah, distant right. with Planet Zorp, uh, we are. And I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I don't. Would you care? Like, if this, if this were, if if war of the deep were happening on Planet Zorg. Um, I mean, it's like I well, wouldn't
0: I, make much of a difference in this case.
1: Yeah, would yeah, be more invested or not? And also,
0: again, the allegory is so strong. Yeah, to the, the power the, block the opposed to this one,
1: yes. <laughs> which I represent. I have my deep loyalties to the power block to opposed the to the
0: power block. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about uh <laughs> speaking of warriors of the deep. Let's talk about embarrassing. Who you wanted to talk about the. The yeah. more embarrassing moments are just general uh, episodes a, and seasons of the show that are there's, embarrassing.
1: There's a complex that Doctor Who fans have, which is especially before the new series was. There weren't many of us who watched, or certainly more not many U.S. fans, and then you know, it went off the air in the U.K. and I or or it became a thing that I think you know kids in the U.K. watched when they were little, uh but then they went through puberty and discovered the opposites or same sex or whoever they were attracted to and didn't care about Daleks anymore whereas a few of the stunted ones continued to so <laughs> it became a, it became a you know it's definitely a cult i mean it was, it was a cult show uh, always considered a cult show um and you would you would defend it right you want to be like oh no it's you know it's it's a good show and it's well written and thoughtfully constructed stories and uh you know there's there's great actors in it and you you know douglas adams once wrote for it and you talk about all these things that were so great about it and then inevitably you would convince someone to watch it,
0: or your parents uh, yes, would come yes. in the
1: room, and then the Mirko would kick down a mattress that? that would fall on an Australian like, woman.
0: Why, why is that <laughs> pantomime horse covered in goo? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and or, you know, aliens would be farting, uh, you know. And, and so, oh, right. um, yeah, there, there was, you know, Doctor Who's, I, it is a wonderful show and I think it's incredibly well done. But it does, you know, they sometimes overreach or they, you know, they get the tone wrong where there are, there are, and we'll, we'll explore those. There are stories that are just not so great. Um, and so you just, but you become very sensitive to it. It's like, no, I want you to love this show. Uh, but, you know, oh, yeah, it's, it's um, uh, it's like, um and they're just they're great moments. It's a big show. There are great moments and there are not so great moments, and you feel incredibly sensitive. It's like when I introduce people to Faulty Towers, right? Faulty Towers is a brilliant, one of the uh, universally recognized one of the greatest sitcoms ever made. But it's a farce, and it builds, right? It has to set up all of the rules before you have, and so the first twenty minutes of some of the episodes are very slow, and they're not sort of laugh riots, and you just kind of want to be like, no, 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 wait, wait, it's coming, it's coming, <laughs> you know, they're going to have to hide the body or whatever. Well, in totally different
0: to uh there's a show that tons of people love and think is the best show ever uh, the wire which really only pays off in a in a huge way after sort of almost two seasons because they set up all these kind of chess pieces, and then it really all starts to come together. I mean, it's enjoyable along the way; it's fine, but that's when—and it's so hard to ask someone to say, "Just watch twenty-seven episodes. Just give it twenty-seven episodes, and then it'll really, you know, all starts to connect." That's tough. You people want to get it right away, right. you know. You, you want to get
1: excited about it, yeah. And, and again, you just become very sensitive about like you've tried to sell this show, and then yeah, and then and it does. Then the murka comes on, you know, again. Um, and so I think that that was. Like I sort of said about aliens of London, World War Three. I think. That was a, that was why it was a dangerous episode to do it that way. And I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but it was like, it was suddenly a show was taking off and people were like, oh, Doctor Who is back and it's amazing. And it was getting these huge ratings. And then and Doctor Who fans were like, you know, sort of quietly emerging into the sunlight being like, I've always liked it. Uh, <laughs> but then, then suddenly it's like, like, I don't give it a whirl. And then it's like, oh, I'm shaking my booty and farting. And then you're like, oh, yeah, it gets better. It's so
0: funny. <laughs> I don't think, I mean, to its credit, like, again, it didn't stand out too much as me because I had seen the Slitheen Slitheen in an earlier watching, but I also don't think they hammered it over and over in those episodes. So by the end of the second episode, the Slitheen were just sort of the force that they were working against, but it wasn't constant. Farting. Well, that's, and that's the thing. I think that's,
1: you know, again, something you, you're hyper conscious of the things that you're, you know, the thing you're most sensitive about. Right. right? Um, and so, yes, to, to a fan, it would have been, that would have been the thing you focused on. And, and yes, going back and rewatching it, I'm like, it, it is a funny episode. It has some, you know, interesting effects. It has some, you know, some interesting tense sequences. Um, and it's, it's a very, besides, it's witty. Besides the those obvious jokes, I love the. Um, I do also love the, uh, the throwaway when um, they're trying to find uh, vinegar to throw on the sloe and she's going through the cabinet like pickled eggs and blah blah. And she just goes, you right, kiss right. this man." <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, I'll tell you. Well, first of all, then you know you're talking about the new one, but of course, Warriors uh, of the Deep is pretty embarrassing to watch, and. But I, again, I think particularly because it's set in the future, it's sci-fi. I have a particular love of terrible sci-fi. I just enjoy it's watching movie it. It's, sci-fi, yeah. yeah, it's just fun to watch. I mean, a lot of old Mystery Science Theater 3000s were were bad sci-fi. Even modern sci-fi, our mutual friend Harris and I just enjoy watching. The Sci-Fi Channel has just made some horrible shows uh, over the years but they're just sort of fun to watch i can't explain why that genre i don't mind the really bad versions of it this was definitely one of them uh, when i was watching it kim my wife uh, came by said well what is this and i don't remember what particular was being shown what was being shown but she didn't idea it as doctor who she doesn't really know what doctor who is it's a mythical thing to her and i said oh this is doctor who i'm watching this for the podcast with John, and she said, Well tell John this looks like a damn high school film class. <laughs> and so will pass it yeah. along to you.
1: It is thank you. Thank you.
0: Uh, should we change we
1: should maybe we should protect the identity of our spouses? Like, you know, I'm not Mike, but Enrique, and then Kim should be Lu- Luandra. But anyway, um, out <laughs> um But you know, and and the thing is, um you're right, because I there's nothing when you're alone and not worrying about it, there's nothing like a good, bad episode of Doctor Who. And we definitely have some bad yeah. ones uh, coming up because it, and they are fun. And, and also, again, the, the, these are so embedded in, in my sad life. <laughs> it's just sort of like this one in particular, I had the novelization I think very early on it was one of the third or fourth ones I had. So I'd read it. So it was better in my mind, of course. Um, and you know, I used to, so, I um, so again, kind of going back to the cliffhanger thing. So uh, when I watched Doctor Who, most of the time uh, in the in the golden age uh, for me, uh, it was I lived in New England. It was in the eighties. It was on WGBH Boston, the flagship, uh, mm, and it was. Yeah. It was immediately – it was a 7 o'clock every weeknight, just one episode. That's the public station. Yeah, public station. Uh, one episode, 25 minutes. Um, I uh, anxiously – and we had to – I had to tune in with rabbit ears. Sometimes you had to stand holding the rabbit ears on the TV because Boston was away from us. Um, I became an avid viewer for the last 10 minutes of the mcneil News Hour. that's <laughs> because I was waiting for Doctor Who. So I learned a lot about global politics and the economy. Um, and then Saturdays, it was on – W 11, which is another public, the other, the New Hampshire public, right? And they would show it as um, they would edit the episodes together, and they'd show it as a movie, basically. So it'd be about an hour and a half movie, and they would just they'd edit out the cliffhangers. The BBC did this; they'd edit out the cliffhangers. And actually, the original VHS tapes were, were actually done like that. They didn't show the separate parts, um, and so it'd be sort of weird edits. Or, or or imagine imagine a movie that like builds up to a crescendo cliffhanger and then just
0: keeps going. <laughs> John, there are over two hundred ninety five Doctor Who stories. We have ranked six of them. So let's get started with these. Well, three, but really two. We'll, we're, we'll rank them together. We'll rank Aliens in London slash World War Three together. Yes. Uh, I I can go first. I'm here in trouble getting the thing to open. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, so again, this knowing this Ladine already really completely colored this for me. That didn't. It didn't stick out as me as embarrassing. And I would list this as probably my favorite episode so far because I liked the grandness of it. I liked, I loved Harriet. I liked, I liked Mickey. I just really liked a bunch of stuff that they brought up that I was also, I could just tell. And then again, when I was looking for the episode, oh, some of this is going to come back. I just thought it was a great setup for future stuff. So this was one of my, this was my favorite so far. Warriors of the Deep, I did like. Uh, I, I, I liked. I don't think this will remain at the bottom of my list once we get to all 300. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I, as we said before, I'm going against popular opinion, did not really like Curse of Fenric. So I'm going to put it above Curse of Fenric, but it's not going to be in my last spot. But uh, the Ark in Space, having now seen two of these sort of goofy, futuristic uh, space. Well, yeah, just goofy, futuristic ones. I would put Ark in Space above this one. But I did really enjoy it, so yeah, it's going near the bottom of my list. On number seven, Warriors of the Deep, and then number uh, Aliens in London, World War Three at number one. Once again, you're wrong. Uh, once again, yes, completely missed
1: <laughs> correcting. Um, I don't know how we ever thought this list. Be- so uh, i I do um, part part of I think probably for me uh, is is like I've said about Aliens of London and World War Three is, uh, um, uh, but I think part of it is I know what's coming uh and i sort of know how this fits in and and yes yeah. so for me it's not a great one uh where is deep like i said it has a sentimental place but being an objective ranker who's you know obviously whose opinion is deeply valued uh right by the by, by the populace um i do, <laughs> the, I do uh, the probers by other probers um i do put warriors of deep at the bottom uh because yes it. it Again, the special effects, I, I, could, I could get by them, but it could have been, I think one reviewer uh, in reviewing the episode in Doctor Who magazine even said Peter Davison, it could have been him out of character. It could have been actually the actor Peter Davison at the end going, there should have been another way. <laughs> like, <that> was the, <laughs> He was actually, they called cut and he was just like, there should have been another way to do this.
0: Uh, cause it well, could I think have part been- of it, I think part of it too is... Like I just said, I do have a love for watching these sort of bad ones. So this one just struck me at the right moment. I just enjoy this. Um, We also rank our own episodes. Uh, Once again, I'm going to put this most recent episode as the best. I think uh, episode four is the best one. uh, And then three, two, one on backward. Uh, But human self-destruction, this current episode, and it's getting better with every word I say. I think it's just becoming better and better. Yeah, what, uh, if, what, if, what if
1: the button on this episode rockets it? Uh, even better? <laughs> yeah. have to, we have to come back and do that. Well, we'll do that. In,
0: we'll obviously do that in the reaction to uh, uh, yes, yes, the mind yes. probe reaction. Yes. Yes, not the mind probe. <laughs> uh, John, if people want to give us feedback, they can go to mindprobe.show. And I have have been saying for three episodes that they can see notes of old episodes, our complete ranking, and how to send us a note. Um they currently cannot do that i am i'm working on that i'm using the out of the box uh, website for the for the podcast from the hosting platform and i can't do any of that on this so i'm working on and the out of the box the bad about it is, of course the sex in the city fan site so it does yeah that's, yeah. Right. <laughs> that's right it's on the sex in the city fan site web ring which confuses people from, from in the next, <laughs> I remember web brings. It's going to be a cold day before I give up my GeoCities page. So, so I will say, in the interest of some opportunity for feedback, mm-hmm. uh, I will give my public Twitter account, which is at Porter Mason. If you do want to reach out and say anything, you can go to at Porter Mason. And please tell me that you're talking about no, not the mind probe. So I know what context it's coming from, but, uh, you can do that for the moment. And then that's uh, hashtag do you probe. That is
1: hashtag. Right. Do you probe. Uh, Just get identify,
0: identify yourself as a prober. Yeah. As someone who likes Say, to probe.
1: I, I like to probe. I'm really enjoying this probing of children's television. I uh, think that really <laughs> set off some alarm bells. Um, you can get me of course at the real Donald Trump.
0: Uh, yes. Yes.
1: You at me there. Um, I had it first, uh, frankly. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, John, what do we have in store for our next episode of No, Not the Mind Probe?
1: Well, next episode is very exciting because this is is – we're going to you – know, the linking theme here is going to be quite simple to pick out. You know, I'm just going to give you the titles because I think you'll be able to figure out the mm, linking theme. I'm excited. Uh, the new episode is called Dalek. Mm. Uh and in the classic episode, the classic who episode, we're gonna to go to one of the epitomes of Dalek episodes, Death to the Daleks, which is a third Doctor episode. Spoilered, the Daleks do not die. Uh <laughs> obviously go on two more. So please don't if you're gonna be upset or anything like that. But yes, we will introduce ourselves to the uh to the Doctor Who, the most the most famous monster uh that Doctor Who has ever produced the Daleks.
0: But, you know, not being a fan, the only thing I really knew about Doctor Who was The guy wears a scarf sometimes, and there are these Daleks that don't go up the stairs. That's like basically all I know. Well, you just prepare to be stunned. I'm
1: going to be shocked. They really really just throw away away your expectations. Tear them up. They may go upstairs. That was the tease. tease. Hey, they may go upstairs. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. In the end,
0: they don't. They're like, yeah, but they might have. (laughs) It was an option. It was an option. John, if there was any chance of saving this podcast, I'd be the first to go. But there isn't. There isn't. This podcast is doomed. We've only had 24 downloads this week, John. And my wife was two of them. And she didn't even post a good review. So it's it's not not going well, as well as you might like.
1: My mom downloaded one, but then then sent a text that said, I'll listen to it later. <laughs> that still counts as a download. I'm still right, counting all right. that. All right.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: Desperate, I'm curious to know what the impressions of me are. There must be impressions, and I, I think I'd find them funny. Oh, you mean at your work? Yeah, I'm sure people imitate me. I'm sure, between my
0: voice, my and particularly my hand gestures, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I'm in a little Facebook group of people who don't care for you, right? And uh, we talk about this stuff a lot. The hand gestures, actually, we enjoy. So, I'm actually, we <laughs> about other stuff. <laughs>